0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. You guys glad to be in God's house today. Amen. I'm excited to be here. I just sense um, the Holy Spirit moving in this house. It's such an awesome thing when God shows up. Amen. Um, I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about exercising your authority. Exercising your authority. Um, we just finished up an entire message series entitled Crowned and In that series, we've been doing our best to lay a foundation to help us understand who we are in Christ, which is identity, um, but also everything that Christ has made available to you and I as believers. And I hope that the foundation we have been laying over the last several weeks will help us to receive today's message, but not just today's message but even that which God wants to do in this upcoming healing conference. How many are expecting God to do something supernatural? Over the, I, I'm just really anticipating God to move in a supernatural way. So, um, again, exercising your authority. Ephesians chapter number 1, starting in verse number 17, the Apostle Paul, famous prayer that he prayed for the Ephesian church, but also in the one to come. The Apostle Paul praying that we receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation, um, and, and I want to focus in for just a second on the fact that he prayed for the church at Ephesus, that they would have wisdom. And I want you to know that he said, I'm praying that you have wisdom so that you may know, everybody say no, he tied wisdom with knowledge. That I'm praying that you receive wisdom that you might know him better. Wisdom and knowledge are connected. How many of you understand that being wise is, is connected to knowing God? Right? Like it's hard to be wise when you don't know Jesus. It's, it's hard to operate in wisdom outside of a relationship with Jesus. It's like trying to be wise. Um, It would be similar to trying to fly a plane without a control tower to help you navigate. And so we all are in need of some help so that we can see what we cannot see in the natural. How many know God can see things you can't see? He has wisdom, he has resources, he has knowledge, he has things that he sees the big picture that we don't always see, but by tapping into God's wisdom, he begins to make available those things that we cannot see. Then he prays, he says, that the eyes of their heart be enlightened so that they may know what is the hope of their calling and what is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance. When, when you are adopted into God's family, your life now has a customized purpose. That God himself, we, we, we say things so flippantly, uh, like God called me, and we just move on. How I mean, it's a big deal if God called you. Like, the, the God of the universe put his hand on you and chose you. You have a customized purpose purpose. Not only that, but he, he begins to talk about the fact that we are spiritually wealthy. Everybody say wealthy. We're spiritually wealthy. Why does the Apostle Paul say that? Because earlier in the book of Ephesians, in the third verse, he says that God has already provided every spiritual blessing, but it's located in the heavenly realms. That's why later on he prays that we would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we could know and understand and comprehend and walk in everything God has already made available. Anybody thankful for all the things God has already made available, not not something he's going to do, something that he's already done. So every spiritual blessing is banked in a deposit box with your name on it. Nobody can steal your blessing. I don't know why in church we get jealous and compare ourselves and think, you know, well, they got this or God's using them to do that and When's my turn? Listen, nobody can take your blessing. Nobody can rob you. Just because God's blessed me doesn't mean he's ran out and can't bless you. Vice versa. How many know God, It does know God doesn't understand lack? There is no shortage in the kingdom of God. There is no lack. We are spiritually wealthy. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter number 2. Starting in verse six, it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I love this verse because what this verse tells me is that when God saved me, he relocated me. I want to say that one more time. When God saved me, he relocated me. When Christ got up from the grave and ascended to the right hand of God, I also got up with him. I was there crucified with him, buried with him, but the gospel is is that I have also been raised with him, that when I got saved, I have now been relocated, and I have sat down in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which means that the enemy is already under my feet, In God's mind, when Jesus died, you died, and when Jesus got up, you got up. Somebody give Jesus some praise right there if you believe the word of God today. This is good news. At the right hand of God, we have been seated there in Christ. Please understand that the devil does not want you to understand what I'm teaching you. He does not want you to get this. He wants you to be oblivious to your authority. He wants you to be oblivious to your position in Christ. He wants, he wants some of you that have been operating in a victim mentality. He wants you to remain a victim all the days of your life. He wants to keep us distracted. And, and a lot of times we think that the devil is after us, But what he's really after is our faith. It's it's not that he's just after us. He's after our faith. You say, well, why is he after our faith? Because it's faith that overcomes. It's faith that overcomes. Faith is what pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. So he comes for our faith. The devil could care less about us if we are not in faith. If you're not in faith, he ain't worried about you. If you're in doubt, unbelief, fear, like he ain't spending any time on you at all. Because you'll always remain right there. It's faith that overcomes. So he's constantly trying to separate us from our faith. And the word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want you to notice that he says hearing and hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. This means that you and I need repetition. We need repetition. Kind of like elementary age students. Like you don't tell them, the abc's and say it one time and write it one time and say if you don't get them we will slap you like you're going to take some time they need some reps they need they need uh, some opportunity to work through it and so faith comes by hearing and hearing and so we need to hear the word of god over and over until, and this is what I'm hoping is about to happen here at Bethesda Church, is that the word is going to move from just a head knowledge and it's going to go further than your head and move down into your spirit because when it hits your spirit, it comes alive and it starts producing results in your life. So all authority was given to Christ and and it belongs to Christ and through what he has done, he has now positioned us in a place of authority. So we need to understand that in the earth, when Jesus left the earth and when he ascended, I, I told you in the crown series that he transferred his authority onto the body of Christ. And, and what happened is, is, when he ascended to the right hand of, of the father, he left the church in the hands of the disciples, it was now their responsibility to do what Jesus did. And, and this is where there is a gap between what God desires and where the people of God live. Because we all sit around saying, you know, God is going to move and God is going to do that. And and I believe we need to speak positive and we need to speak the word of God. But we've got to get out of the mindset that God is going to do whatever he wants to do whenever he feels like doing it because God can't get it done unless we are in agreement with him because he left the kingdom in the hands of his people. And if the kingdom's going to come, it's because we have taken... And a rightful place as sons and daughters to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. Some people think, well, God can get along just fine in the earth without us. It's not true. He cannot get along without you any more than you can get along without him. If if everybody in the earth today decided we're not serving God anymore, if everybody made that decision, nothing would get done in the earth. Now, some of you are like, well, that doesn't make sense. Can't God do anything? Yeah, he can do anything, but he has chosen to move and demonstrate his kingdom, watch this, through you. Now, how many feel the responsibility of that? I grew up in church where everybody just, you know, sit in a spiritual lazy boy saying God's going to send revival and God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And we, everything's on God while we do nothing. And then 20 years later, we're all saying, I wonder if God lied. He cannot lie, but he is looking for someone in the earth to come into agreement with him. I wonder what would happen if Bethesda Church as a whole, 100% of us, came into full agreement with everything God wanted to do and said, We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his mouthpiece. We want to see revival, that would bring revival. That would bring a move of God. And so the Apostle Paul was trying to get us to see this that we are the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. The head doesn't say, I don't need the body. And the body doesn't say, I don't need the head. How many know God, we are are, uh, co-laborers with Christ, that we are partnered together with him. And so I've encouraged you, don't see yourself separated from Christ. See yourself as one with him, that as he speaks, you speak, as he moves, you move. The devil works overtime to distract us from those truths. And, and his ultimate goal is not only to pull us away from faith, but how I many know he wants to pull us into worry, anxiety, fear, complaining? Why? Because all those things pull us out of faith. But I want to remind some people today that have been, been dealing with those kind of feelings, those kind of emotions, those kind of thoughts. God has not given you the spirit of fear. But he has given you power, love, and a sound mind. That's what God has given you. Why? Because there there is no uh, fear. How many know that fear involves torment? That's what the Bible says. That fear torments you and I. And I I like to say this. A lot of people think that um, the opposite of faith is doubt or the opposite of faith is fear. Um, But the opposite of faith is actually sight. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it is not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. It's why the enemy works hard to bring things into your vision that produce because how many know when we walk by faith, we're not walking by what we see. The doctor's report says you're sick. I can choose to be distracted and be pulled out of faith by looking at the doctor's report or I can say by his stripes I am healed. I have a choice to make. And, and so faith isn't looking at the circumstances. Faith is only looking at what God has already established as truth. How many of you are getting this? Now, here, here's the thing. We are all a work in progress. Um, at least I hope you are. How many of you are, we are all maturing in our relationship with Christ. Like we have not arrived. There's never a day that that will arrive where you say, I'm everything I'll ever need to be. You'll always be growing. And sometimes, because we are always maturing, some of us think that God is not pleased with us because we're not everything we think we should be. And as I was preparing for this message I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell some people that he enjoys you while you mature. God is not waiting on you to arrive at your final destination and now he enjoys you. He actually enjoys you while you're making mistakes, while you're trying to figure it out, while you're not getting it right. How many are thankful that God loves us and enjoys us all throughout our journey? He's not waiting on us just to arrive somewhere. He loves it. He loves us when we're not even where we need to be yet. Loves us so much that he he extends grace and mercy as we mature in the things of God. Our problem is that we tend to believe that God only enjoys certain people. He only allows certain people to operate in his power and in his authority in the earth. But Jesus taught us that the least member in the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. And if we will start believing that, we will start getting the job done. I need somebody to praise God right there. We got to start believing it. Hit your neighbor and tell them real quick, you're powerful. Oh, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody, you're powerful. You say, me? I just got saved. You're powerful. You're powerful now. Do you need to grow up? Yes. Do you need to mature? Yes. Are you going to learn some things? In it? Yes. But you are powerful. Why? Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living on the inside of you. Whether you've been saved two minutes or two years, you're powerful. Matthew 28, 18, it says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What Jesus was telling the disciples here is, hey, guys, I'm in charge. <laughs> I'm in charge. I, I know you guys are looking around like, what's going on? Jesus is like, I'm in charge. The Father has given me authority down here in heaven, in history, in eternity, and in time which means that Christianity is not some generic religion with a generic God. Authority over the universe is in the hands of the Son of God, and his name is Jesus. If you don't believe Jesus has all authority, just hang around around the end times when all this wraps up, when the Bible says that every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess. Every tongue's going to say it. He's Lord, like He's He's boss. He's really in charge. It's good news to know that God is in charge. He followed up that statement in Matthew 28, in verse 19. He said, Because I have been given authority, and this is not on the screen, but I want you to get this. He said, Because I've been given authority, I want you to go and make disciples. We just need some more disciples. I wish God would send us some more disciples. That's never going to happen. Because I've been given authority, go and make disciples. This is not a suggestion. This, my friend, is a command. Go and make disciples. A disciple is a learner who seeks to become like the one whom he is following. In your life today, if you're not striving to follow Jesus, you are not a disciple. I know that is strong because we all kind of want to be in the club and be ready for heaven, but the Bible didn't say church, make converts, He said, church, make disciples. Jesus walked in the fruit of the Spirit. It should be my aim to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was generous. It should be my goal to be generous. Jesus laid hands on sick people and expected them to recover. It should be my goal to lay hands on sick people and see them recover. How many want to be like Jesus? That's that's the goal. The goal of discipleship then is to help people become progressively more like Christ in conduct, in character, in attitude, and in action. Jesus shares his authority with disciples so that they can see the rule of God in and through their lives. Discipleship is the key element of God's kingdom agenda. It's the visible manifestation of God's comprehensive rule over every area of my life and your life. It's the absence of discipleship that keeps a church impotent and ineffective. Most churches, they, they want to say, well, we got this problem, we got that problem, we got this, all these problems. They list all, what you have is a discipleship problem. Because when people are following Jesus, watch this. Don't get mad at me. I'm only preaching the Bible. When they're following Jesus, they pray. They attend church. They give. They, they live in community with other people. And a lot of times what we want to do is we want to show up at a church on a Sunday and check a box with no intention of following Jesus. This is a problem. COVID brought a lot of things to the surface. And one of the things that I see that we need to do a better job of, and I'll just speak for Bethesda. This is not like the church, I'm talking Bethesda. We have to do a better job of making disciples. But we cannot make disciples if we are not already a disciple. What does a disciple look like? They're saved. They're obedient. They, they take the next step in water baptism. They, they give. They serve. They, they're in groups. They, they speak the word of God. They're living their life the way God intended for them to live it. Matthew, or Mark 16, starting in verse 15, he, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Notice that nowhere in the Great Commission, making disciples and preaching the gospel, anywhere does it say sit. It says to go. That there's an action step. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Some of y'all don't want to hear this next part. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. In other words, if I am a believer, if I am a disciple, there should be some signs following my life showing that I'm a disciple. One of the first signs mentioned for a believer is that they shall cast out devils. Now, this means that in the name of Jesus, as a believer, you have authority over demons. You have authority over the devil because of your position in Christ. Colossians 1.13 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So God rescued believers out of the darkness and brought them into the kingdom of his Son. We were under the dominion of the devil. We were under darkness, but Jesus has provided redemption. One translation says that the father has delivered us from the power of darkness, that God has delivered us from the authority of darkness, that he has translated us out of darkness into God's light. God has already delivered you. You just got to open up your eyes according to Paul and get a little wisdom so that you can see what Christ has made available. What does that mean pastor? It means I have a right to speak to darkness. I have a right to speak to sickness. I have a right on the on, uh, of the because of the authority that Jesus has granted us that we can break the power of the enemy. Now, a lot of times we come to church and we say, "That's great. He's got a microphone. He can cast the devils out and lay hands on people, and he can do all that." But you, you've got to make this personal. This means anywhere God has given you. In, it doesn't mean that you walk down the street and cast the devil out of every person that has one. In Walmart, that's a devil. Cast it out. Bless God. I see a lot of devils in there by the way. But I don't always deal with them. What it means what it means is anywhere God has given you influence. Anywhere God has given you authority. You have the right to speak to the darkness in those settings. This is why I get frustrated with people that want to allow darkness and chaos and disorder to keep happening in their home. God gave you that home. God gave you authority in that house. Darkness has no right to be there. Sickness has no right to be there. Confusion has no right to be there. Rebellion has no right to be there. God puts you in influence and authority in that house. Take your rightful place and exercise your authority. Somebody give God praise right there. He's given you authority there. You don't need me to come to your house to remove the devil. You know why? Because God anointed you to run that house, and the anointing that you need, the authority that you need. Listen, it's not coming. It's already there. It's already there. Some of us we treat the anointing and the authority of God like like it's, it's non-existent. It would be like me giving you ten million dollars and then you walking around begging people for money. Why are you begging? You're a millionaire. Enjoy yourself. (laughs) Tithe while you're at it. But we're walking around. This is why I said the opposite of faith is not fear, it's not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. What has the devil... Brought into your vision, into your sight, that is robbing you of stepping into faith. What are you complaining about consistently? Did you know, according to the Bible, that unbelief manifests through complaints? Every time I complain, every time I complain, it is my argument against the sovereignty of God. Does that mean I can't have a bad day? Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't have a bad day, but some of you, you've had a bad 10 years. You complain, you complain, you complain. Not even understanding that your complaints is telling God you don't trust him. You don't believe him. That his word's not true. Every time we complain. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 says, be of sober spirit and be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him. Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. You know what Peter is showing us here? He's showing us that when you give your life to Christ, you are now transferred out of Satan's realm And you are now in Christ's kingdom. But at the same time, you now become a target of the enemy. A target. The devil wants to keep you and I from advancing God's kingdom in the earth. Um, Don't think for a minute that if you're going to advance God's kingdom in the earth, that you can somehow do that flying under his radar. Like when you get up in the morning, you ought to be so in tune with the agenda of God that when your feet hit the floor, the devil says, my goodness, they're awake again. That there ought to be something about you and your disposition and your mindset that you let the devil know, I may be a target but I'm not walking by sight. You can bring all kinds of stuff into my realm of vision today, but it's not going to take me out of faith. I refuse to come into agreement with negativity, sickness, lack, bondage, but I'm coming into agreement with the kingdom. It's a decision. It's a decision that you make. I've had to learn over the years that a lot of times our revelation of what we know is much higher than where we're living. Think about some of the words you use. Think about some of the complaints you make. Like you get all this, let's just say, this, this is okay teaching. There's better teachers out there, but you are getting word, right? Right? Every single week, you are getting word. And, and a lot of times, our speech and what we say and what emotions are allowed to, to go out of control is not in alignment to the revelation God has entrusted us with. I am preaching, and this is not in my notes today. I hope you're getting this. I'm going to take notes and go back and listen myself. Because to whom much is given, much is also expected. The higher you go in revelation and wisdom, the more accountable you are. And a lot of times we know so much, but we still live down here. We, we got deep revelation. Y'all met them people that they can tell you like all the feast and everything the Jews do and everything about the end times and, and they, they, they got it all figured out. But they ain't got no fruit of the spirit. They're divisive. They backbite. It's like what good is having all that revelation when you're still living down here? Can we rise up, church? Come on, hit somebody and say, we're better than this. Oh, that's the wrong person. Tell somebody, oh, we're better than this. We're better than this. Complaining is proof that you are not in faith. You say, I wonder if if I have enough faith. Well, if everything you say is a complaint, it's showing you're not in faith. At some point... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason you complain is because your heart is full of, I don't trust God. It's full of it. So it has to come out. We speak whatever's in here. How many of you can't hide what's in your heart for very long? Eventually, given the right circumstance, what's in you is going to come out. But I believe that God is raising up a church in in this day and in this hour that is so full of faith that even if we're in a tight spot, even if we're being persecuted, even if we're being criticized, even if people don't like us, that what's in us coming out of us is not doubt, fear, or complaints, but what's coming out of us is faith. We have to exercise our authority. i got to try to wrap this up. I want to tell somebody stop being a victim for about two seconds and get some resolve about you. You got to have a little bit of tenacity if you're going to walk this out. You can't be one of those people that throw in the towel every time it gets tough. Every time the finances is not where you want them. Every time you get a bad doctor's report. Every time one of the kids act crazy that you lose your mind and start saying stupid stuff. Where's the Lord? He doesn't love me. God's not on my side. Why are you allowing all of that to come out? How many of you have been guilty of saying stupid stuff? Like I have. There's been times I was saying the stupid stuff and the Holy Spirit, what are you saying? How are you going to get up and preach to people with you talking like that? Right? we got to get real about this. Ephesians 1, 22, 23 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You sit with Christ in heavenly places. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. You say, well, well, the devil's out there and he's the God of this world. That's true, but we are not of this world. We are not living in his realm. We're living in a completely different realm. Romans five seventeen. for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You can group the entire human race under two people. Every single person is either in Adam or in Christ. We are either in Adam or we are in Christ. God wants us to reign. And here's a verse that hit me at the end of last week because it's great talking about authority and power and exercise your authority and be everything God has called you to be. And all this is good, right? Like, yeah, I want all of it. But I want you to look at this verse. Romans 8, 17. It says, now, if, everybody say if. if. If we are children then we are heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Now watch this. Here's where it's like, uh uh-oh. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. As children of God, it's important for you and I to understand that it comes with extreme benefits to be a child of God, but it also carries with it intense responsibility. You are already heirs of God, but we can only become co-heirs with Christ if we suffer with him. You don't hear a lot of messages like that on TBN. and Everything's like prosperity, blessing, healing, and I'm for all of it. But this scripture tells me very clearly that if I want to be glorified with him, I've got to be willing to suffer with him. Which means that if I shrink back in the day of trial, I may forfeit some of the rewards that Christ has for me. See, I want some of you, and, and I, I I haven't, didn't plan to say worship team get up here I'm never going to quit I'm full today my heart and mind is going in a million directions because some of you have suffered and we look at suffering sometimes and how many of you, sometimes you suffer because of your faith in Christ sometimes you are Mistreated because of it. Sometimes family stops speaking to you. Sometimes because you're called and, and you accept the calling and, and you do what God's called you to do. Sometimes religious people will crucify you with their words. There's all kinds of suffering that takes place. And I usually, like most of us, when, when I'm suffering, when it hurts, when I don't understand, I'm quick to ask God, why is this happening? When is this going to end? When are you going to put a stop to it? And then when, when I come across a scripture like this, it helps me to see that if I'm suffering with Him, number one, it should be an honor to suffer with Him. But secondly, if I suffer with Him, I will also be glorified with Him. That's why Peter, I think it was Peter that wrote and said, it's hard to make sense. Count it all joy. When you're going through trials, when you're going through persecution and tribulation, when life stinks, count it all joy. We only count it joy when sickness is healed and people are getting saved and, you know, we're making a difference. And, and I get it, we should count that joy. But I want to encourage some people today that have suffered on behalf of Christ. I want to remind you that you can count that as an honor. That if you have suffered on his behalf. And that God will honor that more than you will ever understand. And you may not see it on this side. But how many know we will understand on the other side. And we'll all be able to say, it was worth it. Stand with me. The devil comes to keep you out of faith. The spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of God will watch this. What Paul was saying, I want you to understand this so much. That it drives the doubt out. It drives the fear out, that you will know the hope to which you have been called. Psalm 119.89 says this. How many of you, before I read this, the word of God is the final authority. It's the final authority. Look at Psalm 119.89. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven standing firm and unchangeable, which means God's word will never change. What it says today, it will still say that 200 years from now. We're not going to get God to agree with us. We have to change our minds and come into agreement with God. Why? Because his word is forever settled. The last verse Psalm 138 too, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And God says, I hold my word above my name. If you've got the word, you've got the final authority over your marriage, over your children, over your finances, over that doctor's report, over that confusion, over that, come on somebody, you have the final authority. Come on, if you believe God's word today, give him a praise. If you Come on, take, receive that word. We're going to open the altars in just a few minutes. We're going to pray for some people. But before we do that, I just want to speak to some people that may be in the room today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask that everybody in the room just bow your head for just a minute. Close your eyes. No one looking around. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not in relationship with Jesus. But I don't want to leave in that condition. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he got up on the third day. I, b- I believe that he loves me, that he wants to know me, that he wants to save me, and I want to be saved. I want to be a part of this prayer. If that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but if you want to be a part of this, this prayer and invite Christ into your life right there where you are, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this moment. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you for this hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. I want to make another hand. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. So good. Let's pray together. Everybody out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap. Come on, you can do better than that. That's two people saying yes to Jesus. Such good news. Prayer team, staff, get in place. We're going to open up the altars. We're going to lay hands on people. If you need prayer for anything at all, we are here to pray with you and for you. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.